and welcome to the latest Funds Fan episode, hosted by Kyle Caldwell and Sam Benstead. In this episode, we're going to be chatting about whether fans of Fundsmith should be concerned about its manager, Teddy Smith, making more changes to his portfolio than usual. We'll also be talking about a part of the market that professional multi-asset investors have been buying, and that is bond funds. And there's a couple of other news stories of note for fans of investment trusts, as well as some potential investment trust bargain opportunities. Later on in the podcast, in around 10 minutes' time, is an interview with Cormac Weldon, who is full manager of the Artemis US Smaller Companies Fund, which is a member of Interactive Investors' Super 60 list of fund ideas. We last had Cormac on the podcast 18 months ago, and this time around, it was Sam who carried out the interview. So Sam, what were the main highlights that the listeners have to look forward to? Hi, Kyle. Yeah, it was really interesting speaking to Cormac. He's been investing in US shares for over 20 years and has some insightful things to say about the relative value of American shares and in particular, smaller companies at the moment. For example, he goes into how cheap smaller companies are relative to their history, despite showing good growth and speaks about the sectors he has been increasing his investments in this year. Cormac is a highly regarded US fund manager due to his uh, track record. So I'm looking forward to taking a listen to what he said in that interview. And to qualify that statement, the Artemis US Smaller Company Fund, it launched in November 2014. And since launch, it's returned 233% versus 177% for the average fund in its sector. But before we get to that interview, let's run through the latest news that's of interest for fund and investment trust investors. We're going to start off with Teddy Smith. So Sam penned an article for the Interactive Investor website, ii.co.uk, in which he pointed out that Smith has been making more additions to the portfolio than usual. There's been four new stocks introduced since January. Now, for most fund managers, that would be a very low number of new holdings. But for Terry Smith, that is on the high side. That's right. Terry Smith has been quite active this year by his standards, churning the portfolio by about 3%. He's bought Alphabet, Adobe, and Metler Toledo, which is a company which makes scales and analytical equipment, and also started building up another new position, which he's yet to disclose. He sold Starbucks as well. I'd argue this activity is a good sign. Stock markets have been extremely volatile this year, and fund managers should show their skill by buying their favorite stocks on the cheap. This, for me, is one of the key reasons to pay an active management fee. Smith has an amazing track record buying Microsoft when he launches funds when nobody else was buying it and sticking with Facebook through the Cambridge Analytica scam scandal. So I trust his decisions. His technology purchases in 2022 have been caught up in the broader market sell-off this year, but delivered best than expected earnings when they reported in the spring quarter. Since the bottom of the market in mid-June, Amazon and Adobe have risen more than 20% and Alphabet is up about 15%. I'm really curious to find out what his new stock purchase is as well. And Nick Train, he has a similar buy and hold philosophy to Teddy Smith. And there's also a bit of a similar approach in favoring um, high quality growth companies. Uh, many of those companies have big brands and recurring revenues from repeat sales. However, Nick Train has presumably not been viewing the sort of the falls that have been happening in stock markets this year as a buying opportunity to the same extent that Smith has. That's right. The two fund managers look for the same things when they buy stocks, but Train is definitely more of a buy and hold investor, perhaps to a fault. 
This year, he's only sold the publisher Pearson and bought American data analytics company Fair Isaac Corp, and that's for his global funds. I'd have liked to see him dip into some well-established technology stocks with amazing brands such as Apple or, or perhaps Microsoft. But when I've spoken to him in the past, he said that technology is not his area of expertise and has therefore avoided companies like these. And when you look at the head-to-head records, um, over three, five and ten years is uh, Teddy Smith that has the upper hand over Nick Train. Um, and over that longer period, the, well, the longest period, ten years, um, Fundsmith Equity is up 381% versus 291% for Lindsay Train Global Equity. Of course, investors need of those funds. They'll surely have no complaints um, over those strong performance numbers. Um, and over the past year, um, interestingly, Nick, Nick Train's global fund is slightly ahead of Fundsmith Equity. And all those figures are according to FE Fund Info. We're now going to move on to bonds. Um, bonds was something that both myself and Sam spoke about in the last Funds Fan episode. Um, and since then, I've been speaking to a number of multi-asset fund managers and there's definitely a bit of a trend going on at the moment, and that trend is that bond funds are back on the menu. Sam, could you summarise why these professional multi-asset investors are finding more value in bond funds than they have done for a number of years? The main reason is that yields are now higher, so bonds are beginning to fulfil their traditional role in a portfolio of giving investors a good, steady stream of income. Bonds have sold off this year due to rising interest rates and expectations of more to come. When rates go up, investors get a better deal by buying new bonds, so they sell old ones. This causes prices to fall and yields, which mean inversely the price, rise. This means safe government bonds, like those from the US, yield about 3%, while the most secure corporate debt can yield about 4 or 5%. What's more, if sentiment turns on inflation and investors expect it to come down slightly more than anticipated, they will buy these high-yielding bonds, therefore pushing up their price. Basically, investors can now get a good income from bonds, but also a decent chance of capital gains as well. There could, of course, be fair the pain to come. Um, you know, the moves to increase interest rates to attempt to cool inflation may not prove to be successful, um, and this could lead to a you know a nightmare scenario of stagflation. Um, and this backdrop, it would be bad news for both bonds and equities. Um, and the, the pros I spoke to, they made the point that following the bond market sell-off, um, that risk aside, you know, the, the downside risk for bonds has become more limited. Um, and given that bond yields are more attractive, um, haven't risen from historically low levels, um, as you mentioned, Sam, the expectation is that bonds going forward will resume, resume their role as acting as a diversifier to equities, um, which year to date has not played out. And you can find out all of the funds mentioned in the article on our website, ii.co.uk. Next, we're going to move on to investment trusts. Um, over the past couple of weeks, both myself and Sam, we've written a couple of articles highlighting potential investment trust discount opportunities. Um, in my latest investment trust bargain hunter column, um, I published a screen that showed 13 investment trusts that are today trading on bigger discounts than their five-year average. Among those 13 trusts, there were four private equity trusts um, that that screen identified, and they were Apex Global Alpha, CT Private Equity Trust, Harbourvest Global Private Equity, and Pantheon International. 
Private equity trusts, they invest in uh, growth companies, which, of course, are no longer flavor of the month, given the um, tightening in monetary policy. And, and that is down to the fact that high inflation and increases in interest rates devalue the future earnings of growth companies. Such companies have seen their share prices fall heavily this year. And following this, um, investors are fearful that um, private companies have also seen big markdowns in value. And given the private equity trusts tend to update the value of their underlying investments only once a quarter, which is the net asset value, the NAV, some investors are sceptical that the current valuations do not reflect reality. However, investment trust analysts on the whole are very bullish about private equity trusts and don't seem to be too concerned about the valuations of their holdings um, following the volatility in public equity markets. Sam, in the separate um, piece you wrote on investment trust discounts, there were two private equity trusts that were touted as being potential turnaround opportunities. Could you run through them? They were HG Capital Trust and Harbourvest Global Private Equity. Um, tipped by stockbroker Numis, HG owns a portfolio of boring but essential workplace software firms, things like accounting or human resources programs. Its share price has more than doubled over the past five years, but fallen about 7% so far this year, and now trades at a 10% discount. This is rare, given that it's traded an average 1.2% premium of the past year. Numis reckons investors are too pessimistic about the value of its private companies. And when they next release their NAVs, um, which will be for the six months to the end of September, there may be a positive surprise, which will trigger a higher share price. Harbour Vest was tipped by broker Peel Hunt. It's on a 41% discount, but the analyst said that this was unjustified. And it was merely a consequence of pessimism in public markets and not about the quality of its portfolio. If investors become more optimistic, then there could be a big rebound in the share price. We regularly cover investment trust discounts on ii.co.uk. Um, in addition to the bargain hunter column, um, we separately look at the biggest investment trust discount moves each week. And that's a new series that we recently kicked off called Discount Delver. So uh, do check that out. And finally, we're going to briefly run through a couple of news stories related to investment trusts. The first is that uh, in the half-year results of the Allianz Technology Trust, it was confirmed that Walter Price, who's been managing that trust since 2007, will be retiring at the end of this year. He's going to hand over the lead manager responsibilities to Mike Seidenberg, who um, joined the trust research team back in 2009. Sam? Walter Price, he's, he's hanging up his boots at a time when um, the short-term performance has come off the boil. Could you run through how the trust fared in that six-month period to the end of June? So it underperformed its benchmark in the first half of the, of the year, delivering a net asset value loss of 30.6% compared with a 22.7% loss for the Dow Jones World Technology Index. However, the trust discount widened to 13.9% over the reporting period leaving shareholders nursing a 41% total loss. Shares have since rebounded and are now down by about 25% this year. Of course, you know, if you're a long-term investor, you'll surely have no complaints. You know, over five and 10 years, its share price total return stands at 150% and 715% for the 10-year period. And the final news story is that the Begley Gifford Managed Monks Investment Trust is proposing to merge with independent investment trust. This is subject to approval from both of the trust shareholders 
and that vote is expected to take place in October. Both trusts focus on trying to find high growth shares from the UK market in the case of independent and on a global scale in the case of Monks. And independent investment trust, it's much more concentrated than Monks. It holds 35 shares, whereas Monks holds around 100 holdings. So there's some similarities, but also some differences. And as mentioned, the vote on the proposed merger, it'll take place in October. Our guest today is Cormac Weldon, head of US stocks at Artemis and manager of the Super 60 recommended Artemis US Smaller Companies Fund. He joined Artemis in 2014 and before that worked at Columbia Threadneedle, where he was also a manager of US stock investments. Since launch eight years ago, his US Smaller Companies Fund has made investors about 210%. That's about 50 percentage points more than the typical US stocks manager and even further ahead of its benchmark, the Russell 2000 Index. Cormac, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. Not at all. Thank you for asking me. Great. So could you just tell us a bit about the fund? Is there a particular investment style that you identify with? And what type of stocks are you buying at the moment? Yeah, the, the, there isn't um, uh, a long-run particular investment style that we have. Um, rather, we, we do try to tailor the fund to what investment style we think might outperform in, 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 the, in the future. You know, that being said, which means, you know, we would have growth companies, you know, high, higher growth companies in the portfolio, while at the same time maybe having uh, cheaper stocks or stocks that are more sensitive to economic growth in the portfolio as well. You know, that being said, uh, over the, the period since we launched the fund in, in 2014, we have had a, a bias towards higher quality companies, which tend to be a little bit more expensive than uh, than the rest of the market, um, uh, but also growthier companies as well. Um, so that, that's that been something of a of a permanent uh, skew in the fund. And, and really, the, the, the reason for um, wanting uh, quality uh, and growth, and then, you know, quality could be captured in many ways. It might be the indebtedness. It might be our perception of, of the, the company's per, uh, competitive positioning. You know, do we think this company can succeed and compete against larger companies? Because most of our companies do compete against larger companies. And, you know, as we know from, from Economics 101 scale, if you're bigger than, than your competitor, that tends to be quite an important advantage. So, so as we look at the companies that we might invest in, we're, we're looking for, for companies that have that's something special about them. Now, perhaps they're the biggest company in their particular business, or, or maybe, and what tends to be the case, they're more innovative. They, 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 um, uh, larger companies tend to rest in their laurels, tend to want to milk cash from a successful business, uh, and not want to disrupt or innovate uh, um, um, their, their own business, whereas smaller companies have to. They've, they've no choice. They've got to be nimble uh, and, uh, and innovative. And that's really where uh, the, the, the type of company we're, uh, we're aiming at and want in the portfolio. Uh, there was a second part of your question, um, uh, I think, about what, what, we're, what we're doing now. Uh, was that, is that right? Yeah. So where do you sit on this kind of you know, value, quality, growth spectrum at the moment? Where are you finding the best opportunities? Um, well, uh, to, to be frank, we're, we're, we're finding opportunities 
across the market. Uh, I mean, perhaps the most um, um, expensive uh, part of the market at the moment are are the dull companies, if I, if I could say, but put it that way. You know, maybe companies that aren't growing that much, uh, but but you know have a good position and 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 can sort of grow at a relatively low level for a period of time. Now, um, th- those companies tend to be quite expensive, um, but uh, it, over, over you know say the past six to nine months, uh, we we found um, opportunities in a couple of parts of the market. Um, w- one part is. Is all has got to do with the evolution of of the power system in the U uh, in 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 the US and uh, I mean actual electricity, not not political power. Um, and 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 really, there it's 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 driven by a number of things. There's lots of different factors impacting that. Uh, obviously, ESG and the move to uh, renewables is one very significant one. Uh, but another aspect is is you know the the desire to have uh, um, uh, electronic vehicles, and that requires, if that's to happen, and if if some of the more optimistic uh, views of of electronic vehicles uh, is to happen, um, there, there there needs to be significant investment in the current electricity grid that we have. Um, so so in, in in the portfolio, we we we've looked at a number of different aspects of of really the tailwind. Of investment that's going to drive those things, uh, and and you know look for com- companies that can, that can uh, capture uh, that that uh, that that increase in investment. So um, you know for, for so for instance, one company we've owned for quite a while is is a company called Nextera Energy Partners. Uh, they are the biggest owner uh, of uh, renewable. Um, uh, capacity in the U.S. Um, you know, wind and, and uh, wind and, and solar predominantly, uh, and what they do is they they own that, they build it, and they own it, and then they sell the output, the electricity from that, uh, from that generation capacity to other utilities who who obviously then blend it in as part of their. Uh, energy solution. Now we've owned we've owned Nextera for quite some time, uh, because really, you know, ir- irrespective of of uh, the political environment, renewables have been growing in the U.S. Uh, for for quite some time. Um, but to take that a step further, and uh, then uh, all, all of this new renewable capacity that's been built all over the U.S. then has to be connected into the electricity grid. And a company we own, Valmont, is is doing that. They they literally dig the trenches and lay the wires uh, and design the network and and uh, and uh, do all of that work from connecting that new renewable capacity in, in into the grid. Um, another company we own is Jacobs, and they actually do the designing of uh, of um, changes that utilities want to make. So, for instance. Um, one utility we own um, in in California is considering uh, putting ten thousand miles of cables under the ground rather than strung from pole to pole um, uh, in in areas that might be sensitive to to wildfires. So Jacobs would do the design of of you know what what that will take, what they'll need to do, uh, and obviously the cost of that. So so I would say one, uh, and we have increased our exposure uh, to to some of the companies I've I've, uh, I, I've mentioned over the past uh, six to nine months. So we 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 do see that capital investment, infrastructure investment, uh, as being uh, quite a big opportunity 
over over a number of years. Uh, it's not that these issues aren't going to get solved overnight. Can I can I just ask? Are you, are you paying a premium for these you know power related companies in the in the current environment? Obviously, energy prices are soaring and renewable energy has never been so important. So are you you know are you kind of paying a lot for these types of firms, or actually are they reasonably valued? They're they're reasonably valued. Some 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 parts of 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 um, renewables and and obviously uh, EVs are are very expensive. But these I uh, think these are you know the couple of the companies I mentioned, Jacobs and Valmont. You know they're 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 um, um, uh, certainly trading what what we believe are attractive valuations, um, and certain certainly not the excessive valuations that you hear when uh, when you hear about solar or. Or uh, uh, electronic vehicles, so so no, it, it's an attractive part of the market. We attractively valued, we think still, um, and because you know perhaps you know the, the some of what they do. I mean, digging trenches and laying wires isn't the isn't perhaps the most innovative work you can do, but 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 nonetheless, we it, we, it needs to be done. Uh, some of this basic stuff uh, just just has to happen, and and there's um, uh, uh, plenty of. Uh, of of investment dollars behind uh, behind that theme, so so no, we we, we believe they're still uh, very attractive. Yeah, what's your definition for a smaller company, and and what's the kind of the cap on size for inclusion in the portfolio? And then just you know after that, what are the what are the advantages of, of investing in smaller companies, particularly in the US? Sure. Um, so um, our definition of smaller company is. Um, Less than ten billion dollars, uh, and which, which I think to most smaller companies investors in Europe and the UK certainly seems like a, a very big number. I mean, really, um, our, our, our thought is, you know, lot, lots of our investors and lots of our clients have exposure to the S and P five hundred. Um, the S and P five hundred uh, has almost none of its uh, of, of its market capitalization in companies of ten billion dollars and less. Um, and also, the ten billion dollar and less market in the U.S. is actually bigger than the European equity market. So, so there's a, a uh, our, 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 our feeling was there's a huge market here that most investors aren't tapping into, uh, and that you know by you know, having a, a limit of up to ten billion dollars uh, that we can access a wide range of opportunities in what is the still the the biggest economy in the world and that that perhaps dictate dictates the larger size than you would say have it have uh, in in the uk um the the opportunity um at the moment is is we are we're, we're going through a tightening cycle in interest rates um the 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 market has uh, has obviously underperformed and and uh, and given up quite a bit of performance from over the past couple of years, um, uh, but um, uh, at some point interest rates will have gone up enough. Uh, we will have had something of a slowdown in the economy, which we're seeing now. Uh, but but there will be a point which we need to look over that valley and and think about you know what what will uh, um, outperform in the economy. You know, once inflation has started to decline, and you know, we are confident that the, the Federal Reserve uh, will um, uh, get on top of inflation and reduce that. Some of it will happen um, uh, almost automatically uh, because there were there was quite a lot of excesses 
that happened during uh, coronavirus, like secondhand cars going up so much in price. We believe they'll come down in price, which is obviously disinflationary. So, so the opportunity um, is is really to to um, uh, we're uh, we're at the point sometime in the next number of months where, um, well, maybe maybe six to nine months where we can start to look past. Uh, slow down in the economy to what will will then will, uh, will then do well. I, I think I think from from a a uh, why now another aspect of it is is obviously the valuation of the companies and and really uh, for the first time in quite some time uh, we can say that smaller companies are are cheap versus larger cap companies. Um, so and, and when I say quite some time, it's really going back to 1999 uh, that. Um, Smaller companies were as cheap as they are today, and and to give you a, give you a sense of uh, of that, um, our smaller companies fund is is uh, trading at a uh, an earnings multiple of of about sixteen times. Um, that's equal to the smaller com- uh, the smaller companies universe, but is cheaper uh, than say the S and P five hundred. We also uh, run a larger cap. Uh, S and P five hundred company and our smaller companies fund is is for the first time in in quite some time uh, cheaper than than those larger cap stocks. In addition, the prospective growth rate, the earnings growth rate uh, of of the portfolio in smaller companies is quite a bit higher than it is in large companies, which is what you what you would hope for. You know, you're taking on some additional risk and by smaller companies, therefore you want to get compensated by by uh, having higher growth, uh, and that's certainly the, certainly the case today. Um, I would also say that in comparing our fund to um, uh, to to the benchmark, the smaller companies benchmark, that the return on equity uh, of uh, of uh, our portfolio is higher than the benchmark, which really which really is the sort of evidence of we, we've got higher quality, better growth companies in our portfolio than than the benchmark has. Apologize, that's a long answer to your question. No, that, that's, a, that's a great answer. Um, you mentioned inflation there. That's just one of the, um, the issues that investors are having to grapple with. We've also got maybe recession coming up in, in the US, um, geopolitical tension with Nancy Pelosi in Taiwan at, at the moment. So out of all these issues, um, what is the biggest debate that you're having with your team at the moment? What's the biggest kind of thing that you're trying to get your head around? And then how are you investing off the decisions you, you make regarding that issue? Yeah, no, that's a super question because, because in, when, when you're investing over you know, a reasonably long period of time, yeah, that there can be markets that are actually quite quiet and, and it's really company-focused. By, by mean quite quiet, there aren't surprises. The economy's chugging along and growing uh, and, and you're, you can really focus on, on the fundamentals of the individual business because that's what the market focuses on. At the moment, uh, the market uh, is certainly uh, being preoccupied by, um, uh, by, by inflation, uh, and by interest rates, uh, and what, and really the consequences of of slowing down inflation. So, so the Federal Reserve have a mandate uh, to have inflation at two percent. Um, obviously, at the moment, it's running quite a bit higher than that. So, in 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 in, in an effort to to uh, reduce inflation, uh, the the Federal Reserve are, are raising interest rates, which they've already done quite a bit. Um, 
uh, and and really, so so the debate is where are we in that process, um, and where is the market? What is the market discounted? So so you know we we're, we we've had a slowdown in the economy. That that that's for sure. Um, but has the market over discounted already? Already discounted all of that slowdown and 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 are our stocks too cheap uh, for what what is uh, is going to happen? So it's really that debate. It's it's the intersection of of what what uh, what how companies are valued uh, and therefore you know what the the perspective return into the future will be um, and and you know, where where the Federal Reserve are, are on their tightening now where where do we come down on that well we come down that 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 we we we've got some exceptional opportunities uh, in in the market at the moment. Um, um, I talked about you know the infrastructure opportunity. Other and an, another opportunity is certainly within some of the higher growth um, uh, technology uh, companies, um, where where their valuations have come down and down and down. You know, one example is, is we own a, a company called MKS Instruments, which nobody will have heard of, I think, on the podcast. But you know, they they provide key technology and equipment that that goes into the manufacture of every semiconductor in the world. So, so the the manufacture of a semiconductor is an incredibly uh, technological uh, process, um, and uh, and obviously needs you know the best equipment and the best processes to produce these these tiny uh, little uh, wonders of the world in a semiconductor. MKS provide. Um, key equipment um, in, in, into that process. Now, you know there isn't a, a strong tailwind of, of demand for them today, um, but we're confident that over the next couple of years, that demand will strengthen uh, and their business will do better. But but the beauty of it is is we're getting to buy it uh, at a valuation today, which is almost the lowest valuation that it's traded at in in uh, ten or twelve years. So, so it's that sort of opportunity that that you know when you're thinking about you know how deep will the recession, how long will it be? It's it's well, you know, if the stock is as cheap as it's been in a long, long time, um, you know, and we're obviously we have to know the business and we have to be confident in their competitive position that they're not going to get displaced by somebody, et cetera, et cetera. But if we're confident in that business, we can be, I believe, confident that over the next number of years we. Uh, we will earn good returns on that as as the clouds clear on the economic side and and demand picks up for semiconductors again. And you've been investing in in U.S. stocks for a long time now. So how unique is this opportunity today with regards to maybe sectors that are undervalued, but just broadly on you know how far stocks have fallen this year? We have had periods you know, like at the end of. Uh, um, uh, the 90s, when when smaller companies became very cheap relative to the rest of the market, because the market was obsessed by very large cap, uh, very large cap companies at that point. But 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 so 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 first of all, the valuation of small companies is equal to them, and and really other than that, sorry, that they they weren't this cheap. So even back to the uh, be, be, be back to the '80s. So, so there's something of a the, so that opportunity is is let's say a, a a second in twenty year opportunity, second in thirty year opportunity, I should say. So, so that's that. I mean, that that's they don't come along. Uh, they don't come along too often. Um, I, I would say the. 
the degree of of um, uh, investment that's needed to take uh, uh, the economy and parts of the economy uh, from where they are today to where people and governments and, and individuals want it to be is 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 probably bigger than 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 anything we've seen. Uh, um, I certainly uh, than I've seen from the early '90s, and really, again, I'm, I'm I'm mainly focusing on on the energy transition and all that has to happen to make that happen is is is, is a huge amount of investment, uh, which will which will obviously we believe benefit the companies that that provide the know-how to it to enable that. So so that that's one aspect that's that's certainly. Um, uh, certainly different. Uh, I think the other one is, and, and this is different, Pe- people make the comparison between the technology bubble of 99, 2000 and today. You know, we, we think we're in a very different um, uh, environment to, to back then. Uh, you know, the advent of cloud computing and what that enables uh, and, uh, and, and what that uh, then um, uh, means for for investment for every company's you your company our company and and you know and and all the way up to the very largest companies in the world and how they run their business um, using the cloud and using then uh, uh, software that that enables them to uh, to run that more efficiently I think that that is also uh, different and 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 uh, and has longevity uh, we believe. Uh, over over the ne- next number of years, uh, quite probably quite a number of years to come. Um, so I think they're probably the two aspects I would point out that uh, that are are um, somewhat unique over the past thirty years. Cormac, that's really really interesting. Just finally, the last question that we ask all of our guests: Do you personally invest in the fund? Of course, yes. Uh, a, a a defining rule of of uh, being an Artemis is we eat our own cooking. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Not at all. You're very welcome. Thanks for asking me. That's all we have time for for today. You can check out the rest of our Funds Fan podcast series on ii.co.uk and you can also find the rest of our Fund Investment Trust and ETF content on our website. We'll be back in September. Hopefully, see you then. 